Welcome to the Pathlight Ministries podcast. We're glad you've chosen to study God's Word with us. I'm Pastor Chip Anthony, and here's today's message. All right, this morning I want to uh, talk to you all about, um, about connections. There was a philosopher many, many years ago and writer who uh, came up with this idea of the six degrees of separation. Are you all familiar with six degrees of separation? It's this idea that, um, that any two people on the planet you know, can't be that far removed from each other, so much so that, that you could connect yourself to anybody on earth by, no, by six different relationships, so that you and I could connect ourselves to the presidents or senators or, or people in foreign countries, but through six relationships. And there was a game made out of this um, called The Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. And the idea is that you could connect Kevin Bacon to anybody else working in Hollywood through six degrees of, of separation. And Visa made a commercial uh, making a joke out of this, and I want to, uh, I want to share that with you all this morning. Can I really check for this? I just need to see some ID. Hold that phone. You just So I was in a movie with an extra, Eunice, whose hairdresser, Wayne, attended Sunday school with Father O'Neill, who plays racquetball with Dr. Sanji, who recently removed the appendix of him who dumped you sophomore year. So you see, we're practically brothers. Tired of looking for ID? Use the Visa chair card. It gets you in, out, and on with life. I forgot my ID again. All right. Uh, yeah, so that's the six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon right there. Uh, and here's what's interesting. As Michael and I were... We're doing some prep work on this this week. Um, I, I kind of thought about it for maybe five, six minutes. And I, I, th- I remembered that a friend of mine named Jordan um, from college, she moved to Los Angeles and she met a man named Tate Donovan who's an actor. And they went on a few dates. And Tate Donovan was in a movie called Nancy Drew starring Emma Roberts whose, ni- whose aunt is Julia Roberts who was in the movie Flatliners with... Kevin Bacon. So there is only five degrees of separation between myself and Kevin Bacon, which means there is six degrees, because y'all all know me, so that means there's six degrees of separation between you and Kevin Bacon. And if it's that way with Kevin Bacon, it's that way with other people. But this morning I want to talk about connections, but not just connections that we could establish to Kevin Bacon, although I, had, I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty neat. Um, there's much more important connections to us this morning that I want to talk about. This is the last week that we will be going over this passage of scripture, Galatians 5.22, and we have talked about this and talked about this. We've gone over each of these characteristics within the fruit of the Spirit, and I have challenged y'all to memorize the fruit of the Spirit, and I know that some of you have, so now is your time to show out a little bit. If you've got this memorized, then join with me and, and cover, shield your eyes, and I'm looking at you, Craig. You, you haven't memorized that. Goodness gracious. I'm good with numbers. Numbers, right, that's right, numbers, God. All right, so Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. All right. So this is Galatians 5.22 and 23. Uh, These are the fruit of the Spirit. And we've been through these week after week. Uh, We started by saying that fruit is connected, that your fruits are connected to your root. Whatever fruit you're bearing is connected to where you are planted. And if you're planted badly, that you're not going to grow well. And I shared my experience with killing a lot of apple trees. We went on to say, you know, we talked about love. We said that love means knowing how to say you're sorry. That it helps in relationships, if you're in a love relationship, to be able to apologize. And some of us have gotten a little bit of extra work 
on that over the last few weeks on apologies. Yeah. Um, we talked about kindness and how kindness is a cycle. We talked about patience and how it's important that if we have patience, that it means that we need to be able to suffer and have a reason. And a lot of you fasted um, to understand patience. We talked about gentleness, being strength under control. We talked about self-control. We talked about each of these uh, characteristics. But it's important that we understand one thing. Um, uh, before we move on from the fruit of the Spirit. And that is, but the fruit of the Spirit is. And, and there's a couple of indicators here, all right, that the fruit of the Spirit is, and I can add this, it's one. The fruit of the Spirit is, is one thing. This love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, they're all, they're all connected, right? It isn't just that if you're a believer you can have love, and you can neglect joy, or you can neglect peace and say, well, I have love, so I don't have to have the others. Because, you know, Paul says the greatest of these things, faith, hope, and love, is love. So I can just have love. But it's not, it's not enough, because all of these things, all these characteristics are the characteristics of a singular fruit. Now, in English, um, fruit is what we call an invariable noun. It means that whether it's a singular or a plural, it doesn't change. Um, like sheep is an invariable noun. Anyway, you don't have one sheep and call it a... I don't know, a ship, a shoop. I'm not sure what you would call it, but it's just, it's an invariable. So singular, plural, it's the same. But it, in Greek, what Paul was writing then, fruit isn't an invariable noun. You could write a fruit being a singular, or you could write a fruits being plural, all right? And he's not writing about plural fruits. He's, and it hurts me just to say fruits, because I know it's not right. But like, he doesn't write about a plural fruit. He writes about a singular fruit. And we can even see it later on. The fruit of the Spirit is... Not the fruit of the Spirit, are. He means that if you are rooted in the Spirit of God, that you're going to grow a fruit. And it's going to look like this. It's characteristics of the fruit of your life are going to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's not a bunch of things. It's just one thing. It's just the one thing. In fact, we can even go further with this, and I'm going to do this uh, very quickly. Um, you can take this list of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and you can look in Scripture... And you wouldn't have to go very far to see the connections. In fact, Romans 15, uh, 13, uh, it, connects, it connects joy and, and peace, right? In Romans 15, 13. In Romans 5, 1, uh, we see a connection between, what is it? Let me see. Between uh, peace and faith. So where's, where did peace go? Oh, there it is. Peace and faithfulness. Uh, we could go to um, we go to 2 Corinthians 4, 21, and we can see uh, the connection between love and and establish a connection with gentleness. We could go uh, first, Second Corinthians six six, and we can see a connection between patience, faithfulness. Oh, and love. There we go. Back to love. All right. And then you could go to First Peter one five eight. For this very reason, make every effort supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self control and self control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is the inexpressible and filled with glory. So that connected about five of those. But we can we see it again and again and again that when the spirit of God is described, that it's that it's these things in, in connection. That it's not just one thing. Right? You can't just have joy. You've also got to show compassion. You can't just have goodness. You can't just let some sort of personal sense of goodness and hold to that and say, well, that's enough. I'm exhibiting the fruit of my connection to the Spirit of God through, through goodness. Because it, it's all of these things. But the connections don't just end there. There's not only a connection between these characteristics and one another. Uh, there is a connection between us. 
Galatians 5.13 says this. This is just before he gets into the fruit of the Spirit. Paul writes, For you were called to freedom, brothers. And I really don't have to go much further than that. Because we're, we're supposed to be brothers. We're called to be brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. See, there's a connection between us. So that I am supposed to treat you with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And you are supposed to treat, you are supposed to treat me with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Right? Whether you do or not, I'm not going to get into now. But, but I'm supposed to treat you that way, and you're supposed to treat me that way. And another person could come to faith in Jesus Christ, and that we could, by the way that we treat each other in relationship to one another, that the connection between us of the Spirit will be so evident to them that they will see the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control back and forth between us, and that they too will start showing, exhibiting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. You're going to memorize it. Like, whether you want, I'm just going to so many times that you'll be able to say, right? That, it should be evident so that our, our, our couple becomes a triad, so that more people are, are connected. And that connection between us is, is enhanced by behaving this way. In fact, we've talked about this throughout. We've said, imagine what your world would be like. Imagine what our church would be like if everyone acted always in love. Imagine what the world would be like, or our church would be like, if everyone always acted in joy, in peace, in patience, in kindness, in goodness, in faithfulness, in self-joy. Right? What would, what, would that, what would that look like? And again and again, the answer has been it would be awesome. It'd be amazing. And that's how we're supposed to, that's supposed to be a, sort of the glue that helps to bind us together in relationships. In fact, what we see again and again in, in church world is that we see that when someone leaves the church, when someone either feels like they've been run off or they've just gotten angry and left, whatever the case may be, unless it's just that God has called them to another place, which doesn't happen nearly as often as people might say that it does. And you look deeply into the situation, you'll see that someone treated someone as a lack of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. It happens again and again. It's supposed to be the thing that keeps, helps to keep us together. And when we transgress from it, it's the thing that pushes us apart. But it's not just a connection between us here in this church. It's a connection between us everywhere. It's a connection between, between Christians all over the world. Everywhere else in the world where there are believers, we should see people treating each other with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self joy. We should see believers treating each other that way. If you and I went to a, a secret underground house church in China... And we listen to the way people talk to each other. We would probably hear someone saying, well, whose week was it to bring the donuts? Right? We'd probably hear that. And then, but we'd, we'd see that within their conversation, within the way that they talk to and treat one another, we would see the fruit of the Spirit. And even though we would look very different than they would look, even though we would not be connected by language or, or ethnicity or politics or maybe a thousand other things, even though we might be as different from them on these physical things as could be, that there's a connection between us. That the Spirit of God connects us. And the evidence of it is the fruit of the Spirit. The evidence that, that an Asian believer and you and me and believers around the world are connected. The way that we can prove it. Sort of the, uh, the, if you, the paternity test, if you will, of our faith in Jesus Christ is that, is that fruit of the Spirit. We see it again and again around the world. And it connects us to believers around the world. Our connection isn't political or temporary or superficial. It's spiritual and permanent. And it's deep to the very soul. 
And so when we hear what is happening in, in places like Iraq and Syria, when we hear things that are happening um, to believers in other countries and the persecution that, that, that they face, um, we ought to be moved with compassion. It ought to, it ought to move us to understand that, um, that just this very week that there were people who, when they came to die, that they said, give me Jesus. That rather than re- re- repent of their faith, rather than convert to another religion, they said, they'll take Jesus. You can have this world. And um, it ought to move us. Because the same spirit that is, is in us, the same spirit that connects us to the love of the Father, it connects us to them. And it, it should move us. Yeah, for myself, it makes me, it makes me sick not only what's happening to them, but it also it, it makes me sick at my own complacency. And it makes me wonder if my, if my conviction is as strong as theirs. But there's a connection. There's a connection between me and them and us and them. We are, we are one, just as these fruit are one. But there's not just a connection between us and them or us and everywhere. There's also a connection between us and here. Galatians 5.14 says this. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul here is quoting, he's quoting Jesus. And Jesus was asked, he was asked by some political or some religious leaders of his time, he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, there's two. That the first one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And the second is like it, and it's to love your neighbor as yourself. He says, against these two things, all of the commandments hang upon these two elements. And then someone asks him, he says, well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And he's meaning, you know, is it the person across the street, the person across here? How, how many houses down is that person still my neighbor, right? Because oftentimes when we think of neighbor, we think in terms of location or geography. And Jesus answers that seemingly geographical question, Um, with a non-geographical answer. And he says, there was a man who was traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem, and along the way, the bandits fell on him, and they they beat him up, beat him nearly to death, and left him with nothing, uh, lying in the gutter on the side of the road, and that some religious leaders of the time passed right by him. And when they were walking up to him, that not only did they walk by, but they moved away from him because there was a chance that, and Jesus doesn't get into the details, but if, if he had been dead, those religious leaders couldn't have been next to him because that would have made them ceremoniously unclean. So they moved as far away from him as they could get while walking on the road. And they just kept kept going. And Jesus says, but then a Samaritan, which it's hard for us to fully understand a Samaritan, they were a group of people of a mixed ethnicity that all the Jews really looked down on them. And he says, then a Samaritan came by. And you can almost imagine that when Jesus is telling the story, you know, it'd be like saying, and then a Washington Redskin came into the room to a group of Dallas Cowboy fans. Boo, hiss, right? Um, or Ric Flair. I don't watch wrestling. Sorry, Mike. Um, right, but, you know, somebody who just really draws their ire. And he says a Samaritan comes by, and the Samaritan helps him. He picks him up, he, he nurses his wounds, he takes him somewhere else, and he leaves money so that the innkeeper will continue to take care of him after the Samaritan is gone. And then Jesus asks the question to him, which one of these was his neighbor? See, it's, it's not an issue of location. The issue is, it's an issue of love. See, we choose who our neighbors are. Not just when we buy the house, 
we choose who our neighbors are and how we treat people. So the question for us is, what is the connection between us and this area? Well, it, it's love. It isn't location. It's, it's the way that we treat people. We're starting this week. We're going to be sending out mailers. We're going to be putting up banners and signs. And we're going to be making a big emphasis to reach out to the people who are geographically close to us. But just because they are geographically close to us, just because they may live within one and a half miles of here, that doesn't automatically make them our neighbors. They'll only become our neighbors when we treat them with love. When we show them love and compassion, when we exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all right, you know. When we exhibit those things towards people, then they become our neighbors. Even if they live on the other side of the world, they become our neighbors because we have, we have followed this, this commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. And so what I ask for you to do this week is to start loving your neighbors. Not the ones necessarily close to where you live, but start loving Texarkana. God has put us here. And I'll say this, from the time I was, I don't know, probably 12 years old, I always heard teenagers and I still hear them say, there is nothing to do in Texarkana. Right? Have any, you, yeah, some of you have had teenagers, you know, that oh, there's nothing to do in Texarkana. And I've lived in some other places and there's nothing to do there either. Um, Texarkana isn't you know, a bad place. It, it could be a really wonderful place. And what will make it a wonderful place is the way that we treat the people who live here. So my encouragement to you is to begin to love Texarkana. And we're going to take just a few minutes in, in just a moment. Um, we're going to take a few minutes to start loving Texarkana. I'm going to ask uh, Danny, if you would, to be at that, in that back corner area. Doug, if you'll be in the back over here, and Don up here. Um, if you have already committed to being on one of their teams, um, go to them. If you haven't made a commitment to be on a team, uh, these are going to be our, our, this is going to be our prayer chain or our prayer groups. Uh, we're going to meet this week to pray for our geographical neighbors and to pray for us that we could be loving neighbors. And we're going to pray for other believers in this world. We're going to pray for other churches in this town. We're going to pray for believers on the other side of the world who are facing persecution. We're going to... The Spirit of God, before it moves, there's always a work of prayer. And so we're going to start this week, start this emphasis. We want to start it off with, with prayer. Thank you for listening to Pathlight. I hope that this message has been a blessing to you and that you will be a blessing to others.